and welcome to another episode of the Games in Schools and Libraries, or I guess maybe I should say the Games Out of Schools and Libraries podcast. <laughs> Today I'm here... Special Bunker with, Edition. ...with my special, amazing, school-specific co-host, Kathleen Mercury. Hello, Donald. It is so incredibly nice to talk to you. And I hope one day... To talk to anybody. Right, right. Uh, <laughs> we are just beginning the lockdown. This is uh, late March. March 25th is when we are recording this. And so mm-hmm. just as we are all beginning to really hunker in and brace for the hurricane in terms of hoping for our own safety and the safety of those that we care about and those that we don't know but should also care about. So I'm hoping that, you know, six months, a year from now, We'll look back at this and be like, man, look what we went through. Give us a little survival sticker. And aren't we glad we can walk around in public and be slightly more relaxed about washing our hands? And hopefully there's still an internet at that point. Oh, gosh. Come on now. Let's give me anything I got. Yeah. And by the way, yeah, of course, exactly. you should always be washing your hands. That was a joke. Yeah, always. <laughs> always. Um, well, yeah. So we just, uh, as the day that we're recording this release day, Hey, Chris and I announced that uh, ShushCon was canceled, so uh. this will probably come out the weekend after ShushCon should have happened. That's that's my sadness, mm. but on the other hand, as we mentioned previously, uh, I do still have to come into work, which means I have access to my makerspace and a lot of computers, so that's where I'm talking to you from, And but you're at home, right? Uh, actually, I'm not at home. Uh, my family mm. has a lake house about three hours outside of St. Louis, and it's lovely, and so... I am as isolated as possible. There's, you know, it's a resort area usually populated in the summer. So on in like our neighborhood here, there's probably no more than maybe 10 families here in residence. I mean, there's nobody on either side of me. There are people on the house on the other side of that, the house on the other side of that. So I am as um, isolated as you could get, but because it's a resort area, there are a lot of services for the pop, for the low population density. So I'm actually in a really good place. Our grocery stores are okay. Um, I don't think the hospital's too overwhelmed yet. Um, and so if, if there was a place to be where it's like, you know, I can just go outside on the deck and look at the, look at the lake and all that other stuff. I mean, it's a little lonely, but you know, thanks to the internet. At and least it's beautiful. It's, and it's beautiful. So I cannot complain. And my school district has been incredibly supportive of us in terms of guaranteeing our salaries, in terms of um, the support we need to teach online and do remote and distant learning. So if the worst I have to deal with is a little sadness because I'm way more of an extrovert than I guess I even thought I was, then I will Mm -hmm. be okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I feel that. And over here, you know, one of the big funders for our library is the Friends of the Library. And, of course, most of those are seniors. Mm. Um, And so we told them to go into isolation early. Yeah, good. (laughs) It's like, please take care of yourself. So, Mm -hmm. um, Well, anyway, uh, one of the reasons we decided to chat, just, you know, besides the fact that uh, I love hearing your voice. And, by the way, I just listened to a couple of episodes of On Board Games where it was you and Adrian. And so... That was that was good. Getting yeah. a Kathleen fix there too. Uh, well, and, uh, and Adrian's but, like professional, and then I'm the one being like, "Oh, there's a format. Oh, I just wanted to talk about something right now." <laughs> so it's always and fun. and I, I think actually podcast needs all both of those types, right? Oh, so, for sure. You know, there are some times where I'm the professional, and and Eric has to be brought back on task, and then there are times where Eric will go, "You know, Donald, you really shouldn't talk like that." You know, so between the two of us and 
you know, you and Adrian are pretty much the uh, the new Eric and Donald of onboard games because <laughs> I think you make a great team. Uh, that uh, yeah, we we need all types oh, and at different times. Oh yeah, sir. For sure. But as I had meant to say, without derailing us into another See, conversation, that's what I do. is that's what I do. You were talking online about things that you were doing and or sharing, either you know as relating to continuing to teach with games mm-hmm. during this physical hiatus, and I thought that would be a wonderful thing for us to share with our listeners, which also means you need to blatant plug your website real quick. Oh, absolutely. Um, I. I put all of my game design resources, including my new remote learning uh, work that I'm coming up with um, at KathleenMercury.com. It's 100% free. All my Google Docs, all my files, my Google presentations, everything is there for people to take, download, make copies of, change, improve, do better than me. Absolutely. Translate into whatever language you want. Um because uh, I've been so lucky and fortunate to be able to do what I do, and I'm very happy to pay it forward with teachers who want to teach game design in the classroom. So please, please, please. Um, and I'm putting up other weird stuff, too. Um, so I'm just I'm trying to upload as much as I can, um, just in, not just in terms of game design, but other weird stuff, too, as I get chances to it, because, one, I've been meaning to do that anyway. But also... Mm. Um, you know, like I do a cosplay unit. I mean, there's just so many things that weird things that I've done over the years that I'm very happy to share with folks. Sounds like it's time for us to write a book. Yeah. Yeah. Like how to do cool stuff kids like. <laughs> yes. Yes. I imagine a lot of books are being made right now. Oh, yeah. Well, and <laughs> well, that's the one thing, too. I, I was reading this is a little, you know, whatever, but. I was reading something about this person who like slaved <laughs> on this book, like this passion project novel, and you know they published that, and then they just wrote some one-off, more you know, uh, specialized fiction, and in like oh a, yes, yeah, and like the the specialized fiction they like banged off in a night. Well, that's a term for that. Uh, <laughs> anyway, yes, the, it is. the specialized fiction that was scribbled so hastily. Uh, like had brought him in like 1500 bucks as opposed to like the thousand or 500 bucks that the novel had brought in. I'm like, well, not surprising, but Hey, he's <laughs> just scraping some nickels together, I guess. So yeah. Oh, and I'm while sure. that is a different conversation, I don't I, think that they necessarily could have written one without having written the other one before it. That's right? true. That's very kind of you. And if you want to delete this little segue, by all means, um, no, no, I think our listeners are looking for, uh, diversion as well as information. Oh, so I, I, welcome I, to the show. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, yeah, yes. Obviously, this is what happens. Well, actually, I'm like this all the time. Really, let's be real. But, uh, but no, I think I think there, one of the best things that I've seen that sort of helped me in terms of acclimating to this. And so, for my first week down here at the lake, um, I was with a friend. That friend has since gone. Uh, went home on. A, well, that's that's what could you rephrase that? Somehow, so it doesn't sound oh so murdery horror. Oh, that, show that friend has thing. gone back to Northern California, where he continues to live and thrive. Thank you. Okay, thank you. That, yeah, we'll I, go with that. Well, you know what? It's it's totally fair. We cannot make any assumptions right now. Um, and so that was on a Friday. So got up early, drove him in, came back. You know, was back here at the lake house Saturday, and like on sun- Saturday, one I was missing my friend, but also it was just like. I'm here in this oppressive silence by myself. And it's like, and this was like my first day, 
you know, of mm. being by myself. <laughs> and and the thing that I keep trying to, you know, like all the different ways we try to think about ways to like give ourselves perspective on this, you know, and, and the one thing, the two things that have been helping me, um, especially when, you know, because I'll be honest, like I was so worked up about this, like even while he was here and just thinking about the long term and all the factors outside of my control that the day that I took him in, I also went into the doctor and I got put on anxiety medication. And I've always thought of myself as a strong person. But you know what? It is okay that if I'm not coping as well as I could be or should be. And, and you might say, Kathleen, really? One day? Really one day? Well, I mean, it's more to it than that, obviously. I mean, I don't just willy-nilly throw around uh, medication or suggest it to my students or myself. But it came to a point where I realized that if I were to continue in that particular way... Uh, I wasn't sure about my ability to handle it long term. So I'm very okay that I did. Um, and I think it's important to talk about how it's important for us to take care of ourselves and to be willing to, you know, embrace any type of help and supports that we need. So anyway, um, so yeah, but I went into the doctor and did that and that helped. But the two things, so that's probably helping. But the two things that really helped me in dealing with this, one, um, when people were at war, there was no known endpoint of when it would be over. You know, and here in America, we've been pretty well shielded from wars. We have not had a war in American soil since the Civil War. Uh, we we certainly see the impacts. We certainly have people who maybe wish the war was still being fought. But generally speaking, the actual impacts of war, we have not felt. And in a war, there's so much uncertainty about safety and about resource shortages and, you know, this the, just all of those concerns. And this is kind of analogous, except, you know, there's the enemy is invisible and you don't know if you've, you've already been attacked. It's a whole other mental level of trying to process this. You know, um, there's people out there in denial. There's, you know, there's so many different things going on that are just so upsetting and distressing, but having the idea mm -hmm. in my head that, you know, in wars, we don't know when it will end, but there, there will be some sort of end, you know, like we, and, and we, and we will be okay. You know, th there, there will be losses and that's so hard and no one wants to think about that, but, you know, we'll be able to get through this and people have been able to get through this and, and then they've been okay and they've managed to survive and rebuild. And so keeping this in my head is sort of like, this is a war. So you have to think of this in terms of that long term, not, oh my gosh, I wish I could wake up tomorrow and this could be over. Of course we all think that, but you know, it kind of helps to have that, a bit of like a long term perspective and, and knowing how other people have overcome this and kind of keeping that in mind, you know, my grandfathers uh, both fought in World War II. I'm a lifelong member of the American Legion Auxiliary, so I've done a lot of work with them. And so just trying to keep that in what our grandparents went through, which is, you know, of course, they're the ones we need to protect the most right now, too, and great-grandparents. So that's one thing that's been helping me. The other thing that's been helping me is, oh, gosh, that one astronaut who sends, who's um, who's been on the International Space Station, he's done lots of really great videos um, about, like, how you know, like basically how the International Space Station ejects poop and it looks like meteorites sometimes because of like how it burns through the atmosphere. Um, he's made, you know, filmed himself recording songs um, on the space station. But, um, and he and some other astronauts have put out uh, messages about isolation in space. And, mm -hmm. and, and I will share with Donald a link to this big long list of resources. And we'll talk about a lot of these, I'm sure, during this time. But anyway, um, talks about an isolation in space and how do you handle that? And that was really, really helpful because he basically talked about, one, what are the actual risks? 
because it's really easy to think about everything, but what are the actual risks? What are the constraints, you know, that you have to work with? What is your mission? What is your goal? And then also like, what can you do for yourself in this time? Because this time is a gift in a lot of ways, not to everybody. And I'm not trying to belittle what people are going through right right now. But if you are in isolation and you are at home, you have the opportunity to, as we were talking about earlier, to invest some of your personal time and resources into developing creative aspects for yourself. And that's so hard to do if your mind is kind of like at a panic level. But if we can get ourselves to a point where we're able to adjust and create a routine and you've got a mission and you're managing your risks and your constraints, then there are a lot of really great ways that we can spend this time, even if it doesn't better anyone other than ourselves, but we have this ability to do so. Maybe it's exercising a little bit more, trying to eat a little bit healthier. Maybe it's writing a book. Maybe it's creating a game. Maybe it's learning a new language, a new computer language. All of those different things could be part of this time that we have now that is kind of unprecedented. And I think that's a good mm-hmm. thing. And I mean, and I've learned that uh, the best way to keep myself from being productive is to even think about Facebook or Twitter, right? Mm-hmm. Which is where I've spent all my time. Uh, that and watching YouTube. You know, there's some good YouTube channels and we'll probably share those. But uh, I would say that, uh, you know, engaging with people who are who are hostile to your way of life or your thought process, um, especially when you don't have to deal with them because you're not going to deal with them mm-hmm. uh, in real life, is is a way to sort of, you know, crush your creative spirit or your learning spirit and it really is an opportunity now to sort of either go to skillshare and build up some new skills or master class or whatever it is or even just decide you're going to play around and do some stuff and learn some new things Mm -hmm. whatever it is that you find is your particular way to feel like you're improving yourself and get that sort of hit of hey i have done a thing Mm -hmm. then this is the opportunity for you to figure out that stuff over there stresses me this stuff over here makes me feel better and actually helps me improve my lot in life potentially and blah, blah, blah. Um, and, and I recommend all of that highly. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I deleted Reddit, which I love because I like seeing funny stuff basically. And, um, and it, it's definitely been a source of panic and it's definitely been a source of misinformation and, and it just, it's just things that my brain doesn't need, can't process, you know, um, I'm a problem solver mm-hmm. by nature, and when there yes. are problems that I cannot solve, uh, it's <laughs> not good. Um, and so, yeah. You, you and me say- both. Right. And you might be saying, hey, Kathleen, boy, you're not Atlas. Like, settle down there. I get it. I get it. But try to tell the, the rock box in between my ears that, you know, it's not always so easy. Um, and so, and then same thing too, yeah, with Facebook. I mean, it's such an important device to connect with friends and family, but then, you know, when people are, you know, even, and I, I'm never going to like, a joke is a joke, you know what I mean? But there are definitely Mm -hmm. times where some people don't think jokes are as funny as other people. And I'd rather people could make jokes and I can just choose to like blitz past it, you know, as opposed to be like, you personally offended me, you know what I mean? But there definitely are some where I'm just like, "Mm, don't know if I'm there, but you know, that's okay. Um, So, yeah, but, and honestly, like, just even the news, you know, there's so much that I cannot control, and on one hand, I feel really selfish to try to isolate myself from that, but on the other hand, the more that I read and get invested in that, it's not good for me, you know, and so you have to, you know, 
make those sorts of choices too, which is kind of hard because I don't. Oh, that's it's that's the important word right there. You you said the right word, choices, and I think I'm never going to recommend cutting yourself off. But what I will recommend is managing your inputs. Mm-hmm. And so it's like if what you need to get out of bed is to open up your thing and read the news and then put it away, then by golly, do it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the worst time for me to start scrolling through any of these groups is right before bed, you know, and probably right when I wake up too, because then the anxiety starts build. So sometime pre-lunch when I know I'm going to have time to digest what I've read and digest my food, then allow myself to come back together and actually get some sort of motivation on, then that that's the right time for me. But Mm -hmm. boy, howdy, if you want me to stay up all night, you know, either talk to me about a new game design or stress me out on the internet and I will never get to sleep. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's, I think that's such a good point. And there's so many good resources and good people out there. Um, and it's, you know what, I mean, it's 100% okay to mute and hide people that are just not good for you now. And then maybe later, when all this blows over, if there's family members that, um, you know, that you <laughs> feel guilty about silencing, you know, you can, you can bring them back then. But if it's, you know, you just... Right. You ha- you ha- Remember mute instead of block. Yeah. Yeah, you just you have to do what's best for yourself, and um, and not in a selfish way. Not in a, I mean, take care of other people. Be concerned. You know, help where you can. All of those things. But at the end of the day, too, it's really easy for us to try to take on all the problems of the world. Can't solve it, and then we can't be productive, and we can't help and serve the people we really need to, because we're so worried about trying to save all the millions of other people out there. It's really tough. It is really really hard to sort of reconcile where the right place is to be. And that's why I'm so glad that we're talking about this now, because one of the best things that people can do is connect with other educators, with friends, with family. And um, yeah, it's a, we are very, very lucky that this is happening now, as opposed to, you know, so many times in history where it's like you just got cut off. 30 years ago, this would have been a much different story. Oh yeah. You know. Oh yeah, we wouldn't even know this was happening. So, yeah, yeah, I would say, though, that uh, if we look at that word selfish for a minute, uh, I think that, you know, if you're taking care of yourself and you're not having a negative impact on someone else, it's not selfish. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. If, if, if you're muting somebody instead of riling up their blood pressure so that they're going to argue with you and the rest of the world that much harder, then you're not actually being selfish by muting them. You're doing yourself and them a service. Yeah. Uh, but on the other hand. If you've got somebody who's a real part of your life and you block them on Facebook, uh, then you are doing both yourself and them a disservice, right? Yeah. It's, uh, you know, like I cannot, my sisters of mine politics are so different. I cannot contact her on Facebook because I have been blocked, mm-hmm. uh, unfriended and blocked because of reasons that nobody cares about. But, you know, on the other hand, you know, I've got friends who I've muted but we can still exchange messages. Mm -hmm. And if they're in a thread that I'm chatting with somebody at, they're there and I can still actually interact with them. I just, Facebook never draws your attention to it. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So the right tool for the right job is all I'm saying. Yeah. Which Um, is not the top. Oh, this is exactly the topic. Yeah. We should get back on topic. The topic is let's talk about some of your remote teachery stuff. Okay. Well, I have a big re- uh, resource list that I keep adding to as I find more and more cool stuff. And I shared this with you while we were talking. Um, mm. And so you have it. And so when this episode goes up, as I mean, I would say as soon as you can fire this bad boy up, do it. Because especially for all these resources, or at least post this list. But 
Um, and this is one that we've been working on with, um, so there, there's some links from my school on there. So maybe Donald make a copy of it and delete out my, like the school specific ones. But, um, but you, but you can see, uh, you can make your own. Yeah. If you want to make a copy of this. Um, anyway, so I've been working on compiling all kinds of resources because one thing for me is I teach gifted kids and I am the type of teacher where I teach kids first, then content. And yes, I have done so much to try to promote teaching game design and using games in the classroom, but I am at a very different point in what I'm doing with my students because I don't have games in the classroom. And so if I have games out of the classroom, what does that mean? Because for me, teaching game design is the vehicle I use to help my students develop the skills that I think are important for them as gifted kids. Now, it could be for other kids too, but this is the population I work with. That's why I phrase it within these terms. Honestly, all kids and adults need to learn how to work collaboratively, develop empathy, solve problems, use creativity, be productive, all of these different skills. So a big, big part of what I do though is giving them that time and space in class to work and to collaborate to help each other with each other's games, play test each other's games, give each other feedback. That is the hardest thing that I have as a challenge for me ahead of me right now because we don't have that. We don't have kids online at the same time. We don't have the ability to share resources. I'm not going to have kids try to create simulations of their prototypes and tabletop simulator. I think that'd be great um, at the high school or collegiate level especially, but for me it does not make sense. Um, I want my kids to spend time with their families. I want my kids to spend time offline because much of their learning has been moved online. And so I'm trying to figure out what the best balance is where I can give them interesting, creative problem challenges to solve, but also how to do it in a way that is meaningful within this new context, this new normalcy, this new, this new life that they're living right now. So... Um, mm -hmm. yeah. Right. I mean, and I really struggled because my first thought was, well, okay, well, I'm going to have them design dice games. Cause that was the original goal. I was going to have them make roll and writes. That was the plan for after spring break that we were going to do. I have tons and tons of roll and write games. We're going to play a ton of roll and write games. They're going to make their own roll and write games. They are at home. They don't have access to roll and write games. You can play Yahtzee online for free, but if there's any app, any game on there that you can only play by pay play by paying for it, I'm not using it. And that quickly dropped down the number of games that they could have access to. Because even on websites like Board Game Arena and other places, they were so, have been so slammed with users. And they're working very hard to um, upgrade their capacity. But they've been so slammed with users, like you couldn't even get access to those websites. So mm -hmm. um, I'll, I'll talk about this list that I have that Donald will share. Um, so first of all, there are a ton of resources on how you can get access to books. One of the great things about this um, crisis that we're having is so many companies are stepping up to provide free or reduced cost resources, especially to schools, especially to kids. Uh, we'll see how long they do it for. Um, <laughs> but for right now, it is amazing the quality and level of resources that you have av available, which is one of the reasons why I want us to like push this list out. You know, I've, I've already tweeted it, but still like, push this list out, hopefully for people to see. Um, right. So we have everything from, I mean, audiobook, Audible is giving away audiobooks. Um, Scribd is one month trial of uh, ebooks, audiobooks, libraries, kin there's legal, there's free Kindle books. 
uh, free books or iPads. There's a digital book database, which I have to think is probably in violation of copyright law, if I'm not going to lie. But I mean, because it's got like everything on there, like Harry Potter and stuff like that, like stuff you should not have PDFs of, but I put it on the list. Um, there's also famous authors, Neil Gaiman, reading the Graveyard Book and Coraline. Um, and other, other authors reading their books. Actually, speaking of Harry Potter, J.K. Rowling released licenses so that it is possible for teachers within closed systems like Schoology to record themselves reading those books to their kids where normally they would, they would not have allowed that. They would have shut those down on the basis of copyright. But in this current environment, she is allowing teachers to read Harry Potter books to their students because of how meaningful these books can be in helping kids get through dark times, which is bananas great. Thank you, J.K., um, let's see on this list. I have online game resources. Um, so where you can play games, board game arena, Pogo, Yucata. Uh, there's a French one, Bois de Genie. I don't speak French. Uh, Jackbox is one. I think there's a fee associated, but those are like large group games you can play with other people. And that's been, for- yeah, but Drawful 2 is free on steam right now. So, Oh, what is it called? Oh. Drawful 2. It's one. The Drawful was originally part of one of the original party packs, but Drawful 2 is a standalone Jackbox game and it's free on Steam as of this recording. Okay, I think. well, I will, uh, if you want to edit that, throw that in there, you can do that too. Um, yeah. So, I mean, and that's one thing too, especially for me as, uh, as a gamer. Um, and so, I, my friend out in California, uh, is a big war gamer. And so, when he was here, I learned to play Napoleon's Triumph two and a half times. Uh, still kind of fuzzy and annoyed on some things when I wanted to do something then I was told I couldn't do it but you know that's probably me in general um, but that could go on my gravestone <laughs> fuzzy and annoyed right there mine, mine will say she went there <laughs> uh, yes um, but anyway uh, but there's a different war game that he likes a lot that's on Yucatan called Sekigahara and I found that one a lot more enjoyable, understandable. It's not as complex as Napoleon's Triumph. Napoleon's Triumph is a brilliant game. And Rachel Simmons is a way better game designer than I will ever be. But um, I beat him last night in a war game. So not only am I kind of a war gamer now, I'm part of that elite 2%. But <laughs> but all, when I say 2%, hmm. I mean the 2% of war gamers who are women. P.S. Um, <laughs> so anyway, so that so but playing games online. So what we do is just you can fire up a game, pull up Google Hangouts, or just even talk on the phone while you're doing it. And it's I mean it's not the same thing as being in person, but my gosh, it is so much better than not. So um, if you're a gamer, especially try to do that. There are um, there's a category here called Learn Something New. And so it's everything from Ivy League college courses. Um, Yale, the science of well-being, is one of their most popular courses, and they're offering that right now for free. There's uh, tons of coding, tons of creative classes. Uh, Britain Co., all classes are free through March 31st. So if you want to learn photography or hand lettering or all kinds of other stuff, like jump on this now. Uh, Drawing classes from famous illustrators. Amazon. I was looking through the Amazon website, um, and they're talking about see what we're doing for our COVID nineteen response. And I mean, they're they're doing they're trying to do a lot. Um, I mean, I think if Jeff Bezos gave up a hundred of his one hundred twenty billion dollars, it probably would be good. But whatever, you know, that's for him. Um, It's not that easy. It's a joke. I'm not suggesting it. Relax. But anyway, they've got some STEM courses. That's cool. There's one that I'm really excited about that I will probably use some of the stuff. Disney's Imagineering in a Box where you can think like a theme park designer. And if that's for me, that hits a lot of like sugar spots as far as, you know, narrative, 
creative problem solving, construction. So that's definitely something that I'm going to be looking at as far as uh, with my student work, which I'll talk about in a second. Lots of games. Plus, then there's tons more resources on this list. Everything from you can take a virtual tour of the uh, Winchester Mystery House. There's a Hogwarts digital mm-hmm. escape room that was created by librarians. Other museums with virtual tours. You can get free Broadway shows right now for a week. Free Broadway shows. You're into Broadway. Boom. You can watch them for free right now. Like, oh, my gosh. If you're into that. Bob Rossi. There's all kinds of stuff. Plus, like, exercise and, like, live streams from zoos. And, you know, so there's so many really cool resources right now that... Are available. Oh, there, oh, there's one I'm going to add right now. The, the Paris Catacombs virtual tour is free right now. So if you want to get really gross and weird in the Paris Catacombs, there you go. So, um, so yeah. So there's tons and tons and tons of just general resources. Everything from maybe you can use it in your classroom or your library, or maybe you can just use it for yourself because you're like, I have got to do something with this brain before I go crazy. But I would also suggest, you know, you say maybe you can use it in your schools or libraries that a lot of libraries are looking for stuff to share with their patrons who are unable to come in. And so these are the kinds of things that you could pick one link a day and say, Hey, everybody from our library, let's go look at the Paris catacombs so that, you know, we can get used to death and skulls. I'm sorry. It it keeps going dark over here, Um, but let's (laughs) let's, let's do it. And you know, a little gallows humor, you know, sometimes, sometimes it's okay. Um, But I'm going to say is that, yeah, this is a thing that is usable now, whether you are a teacher or a librarian, you can take it. Now, yeah. I do I would do want to mention something here real quick that uh, Scott Nicholson uh, was tweeting out mm-hmm. earlier that, you know, it's easy to sort of put out too many resources, especially if you're dealing with online schooling and, and people aren't used to do it. And uh, the, the gist of it was is that they're not getting the social cues from you. What is really important? Oh, that's so a good point. he has he has his labeled right, mm-hmm. and so the labels that he uses for his courses when he's doing online stuff is required, review, and optional. So mm-hmm. you have like say here's your topic of the day. This is you have to get this done, and then maybe you don't have to read every single word of reviewed, but you do sort of need to be make sure you're still familiar with the concepts. So you know kind of basically what's going on, and then hey, optional is for all of you people who are really excited by the topic and want to dig a little deeper. Mm -hmm. And I think that a lot of school, a lot more school should sort of be like that. It's like, did this interest you? Well, maybe these will also interest you. Or uh, if you had an optional thing that says, if you're interested in this topic because of, here are a few topics. If you are interested in the topic because of these other reasons, maybe these resources are good for you. Yeah. And that that way you're sort of curating the list for the people who, well, maybe I'm not interested in roll and write games. But I am interested in math and probability. Mm-hmm. So here are some links on everything Jeff Engelstein ever wrote. Yeah. You know, <laughs> right. or, or what have you. And then that way you're giving a lot more context for what is going at. You know, for libraries, our whole thing right now is how do we keep our communities from falling apart uh, when we cannot actually be talking to and dealing with the people who come in on a daily basis and we go, oh, this family's having trouble. We need to help them or whatever it is. In, in this case, it's we can't tell, all right? You just know that these people who never interact before on in the internet are now yelling at each other and, you know, calling each other names. Mm-hmm. So maybe we can throw up some stuff. Like if you go and you check out the National Col- uh, Cowboy Heritage Museum in Oklahoma City, they have, <laughs> their head of security, I think, is Tim. And Tim has been in- put in charge of their social media. And it has gone the best kind of sideways because he obviously is either not tech savvy or playing not tech savvy in the best way mm-hmm. is he is wandering around the museum and talking about what's going on. 
play, you know, sharing photos from the history of, you know, Oklahoma and Cowboys and all this stuff, but also the history of the museum and people he's met like Kevin Costner and talking about how, yes, I was at this event with him. And sadly there were neither dances nor wolves, you know? <laughs> and so Tim, Tim is a gem. Oh yeah. Be yeah, like yeah, yeah. Tim. I saw that. That's so fun. Try and share the stuff that brings you excitement and joy at least as much, if not more mm -hmm. than your concerns about what's going on. Not saying don't be concerned, but I'm saying, you will feel a lot better when you share something that, you know, 30 or 40 of your friends laugh at and go, this is great. This is brilliant. And you see all the times that they're sharing it as well. Um, and uh, your world will be a better, happier place. Yeah. And I think that's one thing too, especially for what I'm trying to do with my students is I'm trying to focus on for them, like basically giving them experiences outside of school, since we have this opportunity that are optional and this kind of mm -hmm. goes with that, you know, there's so many things on there that I could throw in there and like, what do they do and how do they do it? Uh, you know, um, and I think interactive fiction is one. And, and we, <laughs> we, we had a discussion about that. Well, not discussion. We talked about this. Uh, bring up what you said about that. Well, so interactive fiction is based on the old computer-based systems where you would type in commands. You know, it says like the computer says you're in a room. There's a door to the east and west. There's a dead body on the floor. What do you do? And you like type in commands oh, right. like examine body, right? So there's a, there's a paper-based system for this called Parsley. You can get this online at a website called Memento Mori Theatrics, uh, CKS, mm -hmm. um, and people should support their work um, and the PDFs because like a lot of indie publishers, they're shut down right now. Um, and so for Memento Mori, and, but basically it's great because I can hold this you know poster in my head. I see a map. I see information for all the rooms and kids make commands of me and I'm the computer parser. So I'm the one that will, you know, tell them what's the dead body on the floor when they examine it. But then if they do something bad, I'm the thing that gets to have them like plunge off the cliff and all that other stuff. So it doesn't have the same limitations that a computer program has because they don't have to say things 100% exactly as what's written in a program. So that's great. Um, and it's really fun mm -hmm. and you can do it with whole classes at a time. Um, and I've done this with students, uh, you know, 20 students at a time. And so I'm going to be running optional sessions of this on Saturday uh, just for fun. If they're interested in doing this, you know, and so I put out a thing for students if they want to. And so they're starting to uh, the ones who've already seen it um, are starting to like sign up for it. And I think we have an opportunity right now to really help our students in a lot of ways that maybe transcend the classroom. And so there are types of things that I've done in the classroom before and given them grades on, you know, as far as their participation and them, them creating their own interactive efficient adventures, like the teachery stuff I have to do. But it's nice to be able to have those breaks taken off because normally I would not do this, you know, but just to basically right. have this ability to connect and talk and laugh and socialize and engage in creative problem solving together. Um, and so that's something that I'm going to start doing with this interactive fiction stuff. Um, and then hopefully some of my students will see this as a really fun way to create stories. And there's some really great yes. resources where they can create their own like Twinery or Text, U Text Adventures UK. Yeah. So what I thought particularly interesting of this whole thing that you're doing is that you have gone online to recreate a in-person game experience, which is they have printed out these parsley things so that you can sit down with your group of friends and do them here. We've done them in the library a couple of times. Mm -hmm. And when I went to the high school to do the escape room classes, I, I did that for a session too. And 
so that's a partially thing. But that was based on the old text adventures, um, like Zork and, and mm-hmm. I, I don't know whether it was Zork, but uh, like a bunch of the old text adventures, which was also all inspired by Dungeons and Dragons and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's like this cycle has bounced back and <laughs> forth between digital and analog so many times it left my head spinning by the time I figured out exactly what was going on. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is an amazing thing. Yeah. And and the other deal is, is that you now have an opportunity to do responsive teaching in a way that has not existed in education um, in at least 20 years uh, for many teachers, which is, what is it that you particularly are having a problem with that you're interested in and you want to get past that hurdle? Helping the students find their, their answers, giving them you know the answers or sources when they don't have it, as opposed to necessarily right this second. I understand that as, as distance learning becomes um, the way it is done, we're going to once again start suffering from the overwhelming restrictions of coursework and of et cetera, et cetera. But right now I think teachers have the opportunity to live their best teaching life by, uh, you know, finding out what the the students care about by engaging with the kids in a, uh, in a earnest and personal sort of way without any fear of there being, you know, Oh, you guys have gone off script, that kind of stuff. And in the same sort of way that, that when you've got this, yo, know, we got to teach the test uh, sort of mentality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and I may be wrong. I am not a teacher. No. By the way, I've, it's been a, been a while since I've said this. I could not be a teacher. <laughs> you guys do amazing work and, and put up with bullshit I would never be able to cope with, <laughs> well, uh, it, which is also uh, my, my boss here, both at the library and the entire library system director, are so tolerant of my eccentricities that I get to do this podcast at work. Um, mm-hmm. So I am uh, both respectful and in awe of, of the nonsense that teachers have to do so that you can do the most important work in the world. One of my friends is uh, an, an emergency room ER. Well, that's redundant. She's an emergency room physician um, who is in uh, Dallas and is just beginning to see, you know, uh, what we're fearing. And, um, and she posted about how teachers need to raise to make like a bazillion dollars a year. And I'm like, uh, <laughs> I, I think you do. <laughs> but it was a very sweet thought, very sweet gesture. It, was, it actually has been kind of funny for people who are like trying to homeschool their kids and, and do all this. And it's always good to have a little bit of empathy, you know, um, am I, am I uh, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm not in any way, shape or form, you know, collecting hero status on this because I'm a special little angel in a lot of ways. And, um, it sounds like you get the same kind of benefits I do for teachers, the teacher style benefits. Yeah. 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 So, but, but the thing is, is yeah, but the nice thing about what I'm doing or trying to do is, you know, this is in, in an ideal world, especially for my gifted kids, I wouldn't have to give out letter grades, you know? Um, and it could just be about the work and trying to do your best work and pushing that forward. Um, and several years ago, this is probably like seven or eight years ago now, it's been a while, but we actually got permission to not do letter grades. Um, and it was something that culturally our building and just community weren't necessarily in sync with. Uh, I work in a very high performing school district. And so grades matter a lot. 
for the vast majority of my students. And, and so what the unintended consequences were were things like kids coming in and saying, hey, this isn't for a grade, but my Spanish project is, so can I work on my Spanish project? And I was like, what? <laughs> or I'd give kids feedback on something and say, well, this is what you need to do better. They'd be like, yeah, well, I feel like I did enough. And I was like, what? <laughs> you know. But then the other thing, too, was I had a parent come and talk to me. We were talking at parent-teacher conferences, and she said, you know, my daughter feels like your class is the only class where she actually has, has, has to work hard to get a good grade. And I do, I mean, most of my kids get A's, but that's because I have high standards and I won't accept work that's not good enough or whenever they do something that's not good enough, I will always let them improve it so that they can get to that point for any assignment, for anything. It's, you know, trying to get them to do their best possible work, not a one time you didn't do it how I magically wanted, I gotcha, so now you don't get to have an A in the class. I'm not like that. So, um, right. anyway, so being able to focus on this type of work which is the kind of things that I think are so good for kids that are hard to quantify in a meaningful way in terms of grades. Now, you might be saying, hey, Kathleen, you're a teacher. And what are the outcomes that you're doing? And what are the standards that you're trying to teach to? And, you know, and how does this fit if it's something like it's all this great stuff, but it's really hard for you to grade and assess? And, I, and my answer is yes, <laughs> because, you know, there's so, you know, being able to really articulate the key benefits to some things and to be able to create a meaningful rubric and assessment for kids. In a lot of ways, you know, when it comes to actually like the work that I do in assessing kids' performance is really all about, in the end of the day, comes down to their output, not necessarily an objective standard outside of themselves. So when it comes to like their games, for example, um, they don't get, there's nothing in there about the game being good. There's nothing in there about that the game is functional. It's all about how well they did to express their game idea, how well they can express their, you know, working within the process, how well they can express, um, you know, the, the feedback that they gave, the feedback that they got, how meaningful it was to them, because that's what they are best suited for and that's what's appropriate for them. And so I think at certain mm -hmm. levels, you can, like, especially when you go higher high school and certainly college, you know, grading the actual game, especially if there is a more objective standard that exists outside of them, uh, matters. But for my students, it's really about their own personal beginning process of learning how to do this type of creative design work. So I don't penalize them because they didn't make as good of a game as I wanted, because then a lot of them would get bad grades and that's not fair to them. And who am I? to be the person to say, nope, you didn't do this magical thing the way that adults struggle with. So it's all about them. Yeah. So the, the nice thing with doing this type of stuff, because not just interactive fiction, but I'm going to start running RPG groups as well. And in running RPG groups, then I will be able to, um, I have smaller numbers of kids, but I, I will get a chance. I want to run my Lady Blackbird Harry Potter Witches game, which I'm excited about because oh. it's a really fun game. Um, and this way, too, you know, kids working together, talking together, creatively problem solving, um, you know, all that good stuff. And um, if they don't have a printer, well, they can go online, they can access the character sheets and they can copy the whole thing down. And, you know, it's really not that much harder than that. They can keep digital copies of the, the rules sheet, which is one page, you know, so trying to make things uh, manageable for kids who don't have um, even a lot of Internet access or who don't have a, a printer. Uh, but again, the focus is on what students come up with. Because for me, it's always 10% of what 
I want my students to do should come from me. The other 90% should come from them. And it's all about their response and what they produce and how they um, rise to the challenge. And so everything that I'm doing with this is designed around that, that end goal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh that's a thing. Yeah. And so the other, and I would say oh. that the one, one of the things when you're teaching game design is, is that some things are process oriented and some things are outcome oriented. Like mm-hmm. when you are teaching math, you are teaching them the process of getting the right outcome. Mm-hmm. Right. When you are teaching them, you know, game design, you are teaching them how to determine if they have reached a satisfactory outcome because yeah, that's, it's an abstract process. I'm, I'm just not using the right words, but it's, it's not something where you can always add one plus one and get a good, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the, uh, get a two because game design is, well, either that's already been done, um, which, you know, nobody worries if math's already been done because you're trying to actually do the same thing that everyone else is. So that's a different style of teaching, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but if, if you're teaching, well, here's how to do art. Like, I'm not going to say that I didn't like your picture. I'm going to see if I'm teaching you how to do, uh, you know, one point perspective or two point perspective or, you know, how to uh, make sure that the crayon stays on the paper, then, then that's what I'm teaching. I'm not teaching, you know, I'm not going to judge you on necessarily that final project mm-hmm. uh, so much as the have you have you showed that you have mastered the ability to figure out is your final project what you should want it to be right you know right. that kind of thing and, I, and, and I'm once again bad bad at words today uh, but um, yeah so you're what you're teaching is 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 I think more important in game design than let's design the next uno right right well and so that does like I'm trying to, and that's the other thing too, then that's been the biggest, going back to what we even saw at the beginning, how do I, how do I use games in a way that create the desired and intended effects that I want for students at home with their families? And so one of the, at first I thought I can't have them design games because all their fellow classmates are all over the place and they can't get access to each other's games. But then I was like, wait a minute, they do have their families. I want them to engage with their families. Um, and so, and I wanted to, but it has to also be something that's accessible to their families. It can't be like, okay, now you're going to create, um, a worker placement resource Mm. allocation game, you know, and you've got parents who maybe have never played a game or they're super busy and they're super stressed out, you know, so at least for now, um, so weekly game design challenges. So the first one is going to be pretty simple, pretty easy, kind of like a back to start kind of thing, but basically taking an existing game and deconstructing it, the bits, the pieces, and make a new game out of it. It could be as limited as if you're playing Sorry, how can you change the rules around to Sorry, you know? But it could also be how can you completely reimagine the Sorry space and create a whole new game that's completely divorced from the rules that you know from Sorry. How can you use these cards in a totally different way? How can you use... Um, how can you use the cards in a different way? How can you use the board in a different way? And what are the new rules you can come up with that? You know, so having them work with resources that they have at hand. So maybe some kids only have a deck of cards or only dominoes or only dice. Okay, then start with that. How can you make from those resources? How can you make a new game? And so, and it's something then that they can work around with. They can play. They can play with their families, especially if it's something that's more accessible to their families. Then um, it'll be easier for their families to engage and join in with them. So, you know, that's the first week. Now, when I think about how many weeks I have left, you know, if I just Mm -hmm. 
kick out a new game design challenge every single time, like there, there could be a lot of burnout because a lot of my students, they're not necessarily wanting to design games. You know, this is something that I'm assigning to them. For those of us who do design games uh, for ourselves, this is a challenge we happily take on. That's not necessarily the case for them. So that's why I really have to start branching out and looking into the types of work that I want my students to do um, that kind of achieve those same goals of getting offline. And, it, you know, it's a creative challenge. So I'm going to be looking at doing things like cardboard arcade games and taking a cardboard box. And how can you, like the little kid did on, um, uh, what was his name? I forget. But there's a whole, like, Kane, Kane's Arcade. Thank you very much. Um, there's a whole uh, program now based on this little boy who went to his dad's auto parts office every day with him, was bored, and made this whole arcade out of all these cardboard boxes. And mm -hmm. and I've done this as a summer camp program for kids, and it's so good because it's just like making like Dave and Buster style games. But how can you be really creative with you know cardboard platforms and ping pong balls? And I mean, if you have any type of robotics or anything like that, you can put that in to create automatic components. You know, so trying to give them creative projects that they can create and share with each other. Um, and even that's something where hopefully if we do manage to go back to school before the end of May, um, those are things that they hmm. could bring in and we could actually play and try out. And, you know, maybe we will be back in May and I don't think we will be back in May, but maybe we will be, you know, so trying to, you know, not necessarily, we can't teach the way we have been, you know? Um, right. and if you're content based, there's, there's, a, you, you're, you're a little bit safer from this because, you know, you can, there's, you know, a lot of objective stuff as far as learn this and then, you know, complete work, you know, all that's great. But I think if we really have to look at this in terms of 21st century teaching and learning and really utilizing the best of what we can in this situation, it can be really transformative with how we approach our students and how we approach what we do. And I think at the end of the day, being little miss plucky can do spirit problem solver, you know, like that's the, that's the tilt I'm taking with this. Well, yeah, and that's another way to manage your anxiety, mm -hmm. right? Gonna gonna do stuff until until it's not a problem or I can't do stuff. Right. We will post um, a uh, one of the Facebook documents on the group mm -hmm. there. We'll also probably put a link to a Google uh, whatever. But we'll we'll start sharing this stuff out as best we can. Uh, with uh, I think the focus is on the time sensitive stuff because some of it, you know, it's now the twenty fifth. Some of it's going away at the end of the month. Mm -hmm. Um, and that we should probably do individual posts for the ones that are going away at the end of the mm -hmm. month. So look for those. Uh, we're recording this on the 25th. It will probably drop on the 26th, at uh, the 27th at the latest, so that people will at least get a couple of days of love out of it, depending on how long it takes me to edit it and blah, blah, Well, and blah. I think, too, some of these things may be extended. Um, and then if they're not, there's, there's some things like maybe you won't get access to the if people may not get access to like the week of Broadway, but on the other hand, if you're really into Broadway, you probably already know about it. And if you didn't know about mm -hmm. it, well, Hey, good news. There are places online that you can watch Broadway shows and maybe it's going to cost you a few bucks, but guess what? You're supporting Broadway. So, you know, Indeed. we can only do what we can do. But if you're teaching a theater class mm -hmm. and you find out that, Oh my gosh, it's a week of Broadway. Guess what? This week, we're going to watch a new Broadway show every week. And then we'll talk about them next week. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, know, no. My, what, what one of our choir, choir teachers who also does a musical theater class, she was super, super, super excited. So uh, it's a good thing. I just saw something that uh, I have no idea how old it is or how current because internet, um, that LeVar Burton was looking for people to do, uh, you know, his LeVar Burton read mm -hmm. stuff. 
and and was looking for open source whatnots. And uh, Neil Gaiman just gave him uh, blanket permission to use all of his That's stories. That's so great. That's two of my two people I like and respect mightily doing a thing. Right. And I think that's one other thing that it was just in the beginning when all this stuff was starting to like hit and my anxiety was just spiking and I was just trying to reconcile where I was at. Um, someone posted a meme from Mr. Rogers and it basically mm. was something along the lines of like, in times of greatest trouble, look for the helpers. And like even talking about right now, I'm getting choked up. But, you know, sometimes because there's so much bad stuff out there and there's so many actors who don't seem to be working in the best interests of the collective whole and all that. But there are so many good people out there who are trying to do what they can. I mean, Christian Siriano, I love the show Project Runway, and he's got all of his seamstresses right now cranking out hundreds and thousands of masks because they're on hiatus. They've got all these women who can sew and they are cranking out masks as fast as they can possible. And they're going to be fabulous. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's, yeah. I was thinking, you know, they could probably, you know, out of every, every thousand that they make, put a, you know, put one with rhinestones up on, uh, up on eBay and he'll have paid for all of that and get to make even oh, more. I would, I bid. I wouldn't be able to afford it, but I would totally bid if that meant all the proceeds were going back to make more. I absolutely in a New York second. So, but it's like, yeah, we're going to take another twenty seconds out to do, or another twenty minutes even, so that we can support even more good good works. I don't think there's a problem with yeah. that. Um, but uh, and also it raises more awareness in a different direction. Correct. I think that's the other thing is is that you need to, well, you need to. I don't listen to me when I'm speaking about this. It would not hurt to raise awareness to what you as a teacher are doing at this time. Don't be afraid of sharing your secrets or the kinds of stuff that you're doing on the internet. Just be ready to couch it in the, hey, we're doing this kinds of stuff for these reasons. Like Kathleen's has been saying, these are the kinds of things that we're doing. It's not just, uh, you know, when my program started here at the library, one of the ways they sold it was to get kids off the street. Just the absolute worst reason to do stuff at the library. Mm -hmm. um, because that is a community-focused thing, not a children-focused thing, mm -hmm. right? Um, but, uh, you know, be ready with all of these explanations of this is why what we're doing online is good and the huge benefits and all that kind of stuff. And it can't just be because you can teach your classes in your Saturday slob clothes, whatever those mm -hmm. might be, but also sort of how it's good for the community, what kinds of skills they're building to uh, help them work in the you know, new world environment. I mean... You know, you could easily do a class if, if you're a technology instructor on here's all the different types of, of online office meeting kind of software that we're talking mm -hmm. about. A bunch of boring stuff, but you could make a game out of it. Oh, yeah. All right. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And I think you, know, you can play tag. Th yeah. There's a lot of really exciting ways to like create escape rooms. Um, Lone Shark Games has an amazing resource on puzzles and how to create puzzles. And mm -hmm. that's something that I've had for the longest time. And now I've got some time to really like delve into that. And how can I use this to create some puzzles for my students? How can I use this to have them create some puzzles for each other? You know, and I right. think like that's an amazing, amazing thing that we can do now because we are forced to look at what we do and how we do it differently and explore so many different avenues as far as the type of work. Because I could have been and I had made the decision before this semester that I was going to change up how I did game design. Cause it used to be, I taught like play, they play games. They made a race game. We learned more about games. They made one game that they then would iterate on for the rest of the semester. And I made the decision to not do it that way is instead of do smaller 
game design projects with the idea that they would get better with each type of project. They wouldn't get burned out on one. Um, try to invoke lots of different new ideas and skills into each one to keep it fresh. And I was really happy with how we were doing it because we had just finished, like, kind of wrapped up the fairy tale game that they were doing. And then we were looking at the dice game. And then there was, you know, other projects that I was thinking going down the road. So it already kind of made my mind shift away from how I'd been doing it for so long that had been working in a lot of ways. But there were some things that I just couldn't seem to make click as much as I wanted, even after all that time. And so I already made the decision to switch. And I'm so glad I did. Because if I was going into this thinking, oh, no, they have to take their game home and iterate on this game at home and all this other stuff. I mean, I would have ground to a halt. I would have had to get to this way of thinking. But because I'd already been forcing myself to think more creative, creatively and flexibly about what I was doing, um, I was ready to adapt and bounce to what's new happening now. So uh, I would also say the folks over at Lock, Paper, Scissors, that's Lock, Paper, Scissors, are doing an escape room design class, which I mentioned to Kathleen. I don't know whether it was now or before we started recording, um, but over at the Library Escape Room Enthusiast group, I've shared it there. We'll also share it to games and schools and libraries, uh, Facebook group and everywhere. Uh, but uh, it's $250 prize. They've got a little worksheet that you fill out on how to make your escape room. And if you do any escape room instruction uh, for your students, either having them design or go through them, then this might be a delightful add-on for them to do because heck they could do it they could submit it to you and they could also submit it for cash prizes Mm -hmm. Um, that's cool i i don't actually i have no idea what the restrictions are age-wise or whatever so maybe their parents will have to submit it for them for cash prizes uh but uh it's it's an excellent resource to how do you structure an escape room and how do you do all of that and in fact probably i should take my um how to make escape rooms presentations that i've given and and put the slideshow up so that folks can Hmm. Anyway, that's a different topic. Uh, yeah, so Kathleen, sure. um, this has been great. Yeah, it's been really good to talk to you. We should do this uh, several more times over the next couple of weeks so that we've got a backlog. Yeah, oh, we totally should. <laughs> I mean, and there are lots of teachers right now who would be real easy to schedule during the day. So uh, I think we've got a really good opportunity to uh, figure out what we're doing. Nice. Cool. So, yes, try to have fun with it. Uh, try not to panic. Don't panic, everybody. Yeah. Um, and to let us know what you're doing. Either uh, hit us up on the Facebook group, kind of, you know, respond to us via Twitter, wherever it is you can find us on the internet. Uh, let us know what you're doing in this time of, uh, of separation, of uh, distancing. Uh, speaking of where you can be found on the internet, Kathleen, where can you be found on the internet? Well, you can find me at KathleenMercury.com. As I said before, where I give away all my game design resources. You can also find me um, on Twitter at, at Mercury with seven M's. In addition, you mm. can find me on Board Game Geek at Funk Donut. And I got I got time. You know what I mean? Like as far as I'm concerned, I've always been a work twenty four seven kind of person, and now the brakes are absolutely off on that. So um, if the best time for you to talk to me is two in the morning, well, good news. <laughs> I can probably make that work. So uh, uh, even if you want to like reach out, say, hey, Kathleen, you know, you made me laugh once. Can we talk for an hour? Because I feel kind of lonely and isolated and I want to talk to at least somebody else who cares about the stuff I do. Hit me up. I got nothing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. And, and I'm Donald. You can find me all over the wilds of the Internet as Walsfio. Also, I tweet as Onboard Games on occasion, and you can find all of our associated podcasts over at InverseGenius.com. So, everybody, thank you very much for listening. Hunker down. It's going to be okay. It's 
going to be okay. It's going to be okay. We're going to work this out. All right. Stay safe, everybody. Stay healthy and well. Keep having fun as best you can. Bye-bye. Well, thank you for listening to this episode of the Games and Schools and Libraries podcast. You can find out more about us and the people who create this show over at InverseGenius.com and all of our other wonderful, wonderful shows, including on board games, on RPGs, the Inverse Genius podcast, and the Room Escape Divas. We are also now joined by the Party Gamecast and Nephilope, who you might remember as Stephanie, previous co-host here on the Games and Schools and Libraries podcast, and our friend Lynn Theory. Thank you for listening. Games and Schools and Libraries is produced in association with the Georgetown County Library System.